Today on The Girl Defined Show, we are talking about periods. Yes, you heard that right, menstruation. And I'm laughing because this is such an interesting conversation and something that we've never directly talked about here on The Girl Defined Podcast, but it's a conversation that needs to happen because 50% of the population, us as women, experience periods on a regular basis, right? Most of us on a monthly basis. And if you average that out, between our whole lifetime, that's about four to 500 periods. So something that affects all of us. And I think something that most of us as women have more of a negative perspective on, we view it as that pesky thing that rolls around once a month and we're like, oh, it's here again. But in today's conversation, we're actually going to take a deeper, more spiritual, more theological look at our periods as women, something that I don't think I've ever really done. And I have a guest today who is an expert in this area, Rachel Jones. In fact, she wrote a book on this topic, if you can believe it. And her book is titled A Brief Theology of Periods. Yes, really. So I hope that intrigues you. And I hope you'll stick around because I think for us as Christian women specifically, in this day and age, especially in this climate where we are being told that we're nothing more than bleeding people, menstruating people, I mean, crazy terms. We need to understand God's design for our reproduction, for our cycles, for our periods and the significance that that has and how that should impact our view of our womanhood, our view of God. It's not insignificant. And in fact, God's word has things to say about this. So we're going to dig into all of that today on The Girl Defined Show. Rachel, thanks for having this conversation with me. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. Okay. I just have to ask you right off the bat, how in the world did you get interested in writing a book on periods? I mean, that is something most people, it would never even cross their mind. It's never crossed my mind. (laughs) We're a ministry for Christian women. How in the world did you get inspired to write a book on periods? Well, there's a whole bunch of reasons, really, that came together. I mean, firstly, I have periods. I've always been curious, you know, what what's with that? Um, and I'd written a blog, you know, a, a few years before called A Five-Minute Theology of Periods. And even, even several years later, that was continuing to get good traffic. So it was clear that other people were curious, too. Um, and then, and then just a couple of other situations, you know, I had a, I had a really dear friend who at the time was wrestling with endometriosis Mm -hmm. and, um, just the way that her cycle was falling. She was, she went through this phase where she was missing one Sunday in four, um, because her periods were that bad. And so, you know, this, this topic of menstrual health and periods, it was, it was so relevant to her and it was so shaping her Christian walk. Um, and yet, you know, that wasn't a thing that she felt she could share openly at our community group. You know, it wasn't a thing that, uh, she was going to hear addressed, uh, from the front of church. Um, but, you know, it, it was something that was, was really shaping her experience of the Christian life, um, and which I wanted to, to speak into. Um, and then kind of more broadly, you know, I, I read, you know, tons of articles and books and listen to podcasts, you know, from a secular perspective, trying to reclaim and, and educate about periods. And uh, yeah, much of that doing good stuff. Uh, but but nothing we, we read or, or listen to kind of um, intersects with the Christian worldview in a really black and white, uh, all or nothing way. And so we, you know, we need to, we yeah. need to learn how to think biblically about, about all of these things, including periods. <laughs> I love that. And you're so right. When I think about the resources that are out there that are available in this particular genre, if you will, there aren't a lot. 
you know, the list is pretty short. And so it sounds like you were stepping into a space that uh, where there wasn't really a lot of resources or help for Christian women to understand this from a biblical lens. Is that kind of what you found as you stepped into it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I work as a, an editor as my day job doing acquisitions. And um, yeah, so I read a lot of book proposals. And uh, I had never, yeah, no one had ever proposed this, maybe for a reason. So I thought I would, I would, I would, do, it, I would do it myself. <laughs> That's very bold, very courageous. Did you, as you were researching and writing this book, were there things that you were learning in the process too, where you're like, whoa, I never really saw it from that angle or from that light? Oh, hugely. I mean, even just like the biology, you know, I, you know, I'd seen a presentation at school, you know, I had some vague, some vague ideas. Um, but then even just like drilling down into that, it was like, wow, like this whole system is kind of working inside my body I'm not really thinking about it you know beyond the obvious I'm not really you know telling it what to do and yet you know my body is working away each month um you know these hormones that kind of rise and fall and sort of talk to each other and um you know create these powerful effects and uh, just being just being bowled away by by the the designedness of our bodies um it is just incredible yeah so it was it was fun to look into the science have a have a refresh on that um and yeah then just kind of thinking about the whole bible story and how that um kind of yeah can be can be seen through this lens of of embodiment and female embodiment um yeah it was it was a wonderful project i have to be honest with you I'm excited for this conversation on a personal level because my period has been somewhat painful throughout my mm. womanhood. In fact, it was really painful early on and it wasn't it wasn't to the point where I had to miss entire days of things, but you know, I was taking a lot of ibuprofen and just heating pads and just trying to survive every time my period would hit. And so I think for me, just the pain of my period gave me a very negative view of my period. Like, oh, this is painful. This is bad. There's nothing good that comes from this. You know, you know, I'm just feeling that in those moments when I'm feeling all that pain by God's grace. And thankfully I, my period is so much better now just in, just from lifestyle changes, changing the way I eat, my health, exercise, um, and I did discover that I had a small trace of endometriosis. So, you know, working to manage that, I just, my periods are so much better now, but I think for a lot of women, they probably feel similar to me in that whether they have a lot of period pain or not, it's kind of viewed as this annoying thing that just hits us every month and interrupts our plans and interrupts, you know, summertime. If you're swimming, it's like, ah, oh, my period's here, you know? And so why do you think across the spectrum, there is somewhat more of a negative view? Is it just the pain of the period or is there more behind that? I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, they are annoying. Like you can't, <laughs> you can't get past that. Um, and, you know, and I think as well, you know, for a lot of, of women, there's a lot of emotional um, hurt tied up with them, you know, women facing fertility struggles, you know, maybe maybe with unchosen singleness and you can kind of feel that, that biological clock ticking in a very vivid way. Um, so, yeah, definitely there's lots of different, lots of different ways and lots of different angles in which in which kind of periods may be maybe negative um but you're going to help us see why they're so yeah positive, right? in this conversation yeah, definitely okay. definitely <laughs> definitely have 
more hope and more of just a gospel center perspective, I think, Mm -hmm. around this whole area of our lives. And like I said in the intro, it is an area that the world is taking and redefining and distorting and saying that, no, it's actually not 50% of the population that has periods. In fact, anyone can have a period. You know, if a biological male says he's a female, then somehow this can be his reality too. And we're all just supposed to cheer that on. Um, so it's just what we're facing even culturally in our society and our world today is kind of next level. And so I think as Christian women, it's crucial more now than ever for us to have a biblical understanding of our design as females. And our period is a super important part of that. So there's worldview issues that are at stake here. And it's something that we all need to dig into. So thinking of God's word, thinking of this Christian worldview, where do we see periods in the Bible? Help me understand that. Yeah, so I mean, in, in kind of raw and explicit terms, there's not there's a few places. There's this really fun story in Genesis that's kind of tucked away where um, uh, Rachel she kind of steals her dad's household gods, and and she and Jacob run away, and then she hides them in a saddle, and then when Laban comes to look for his gods, uh, she sat there on this kind of saddle, and she says, "Oh, sorry, I, I can't get up. I'm on my period." And uh, Laban and looks the everywhere there, else, though, and he doesn't. Isn't it funny? Yeah, go on. There, what's the wording that she says there? Something like the the time of woman is upon me, or like some kind yeah. of phrase. That's like, yeah, I'm gonna start yeah. using that. You know, when my husband needs me to do something, like I'm sorry, honey, <laughs> the time of woman <laughs> is upon me. <laughs> yeah, they had their they had their euphemisms even back then. Yeah, <laughs> those ways are kind of putting it delicately. Um, but I mean, more kind of more majorly, I suppose, is in the Levitical laws. You've got laws around, um, uh, saying a woman is unclean during the time of her period, kind of regulating her behavior there. Um, which I was just thinking about this today, you know, in terms of word count of the whole of scripture, it's actually kind of quite, you know, it's just one chapter in Leviticus. But in terms of like an impact on, on people's lives, kind of month after month, generation of after generation, um, you know, it, it was pretty big in terms of kind of lived impact. Um, so yeah, you got the, the stuff around the, around the law. Um, but then, you know, a whole load of kind of related stuff around, um, childbirth, childbearing, um, kind of embodiment, uh, what it is to, to experience the world in a human body. Um, all that is kind of feeding into it. Um, and then one of my favorite bits of the book to write was, uh, at the end, I kind of, in the outro kind of trace the theme of, of blood through the Bible, which obviously the scripture says a lot about blood and, um, you know, just reflecting how, you know, we live, we live quite clean and clinical lives now in the, in the 21st century. We don't see a lot of blood. Uh, you know, people in the old Testament would have seen a way, way more blood on a day-to-day basis. Um, and, you know, menstruating women, we kind of have this, yeah, that's kind of vivid reminder of the kind of gritty realness of um, of some of that some of that uh, imagery in the Bible. Hmm. When you talk about, and we've all heard this in the Old Testament, when it talks about women being unclean when they're on their periods. Can you shed a little light on what was going on historically and the context behind that? Yeah, so we've got um, God's people in the Old Testament. They've been rescued from Egypt. And uh, they're being given the law. And uh, yeah, you get you get this chapter where it basically says while a woman is on her period, she's going to be 
unclean, which, you know, to modern ears uh, sounds really offensive, you know, and you, and you read that and you're like, God, do, do you just hate women? Like, what, what is that? You know, um, and it's, and it's so, you know, rubs off against every, every, you know, every way we like to think about ourselves in the 21st century. Um, so yeah, you know, I think those, those verses are kind of easy to, to, well, they're difficult to read and easy to misread. Um, so, you know, it's helpful to kind of remember that uncleanness in the Old Testament doesn't confer guilt. It's not that you're, you're guilty for being unclean. It's kind of a different, a different category. Um, and even like good God given things make you unclean sometimes, even, you know, sex and childbirth make you unclean and those are those are things that god has has blessed and and uh you know called humans to do um so there's there's definitely more kind of going on there than than meets the eye um plus you want to you know is it more of an unclean from like a sanitary perspective and a health perspective versus like a soul perspective if that makes sense yeah there's different ways of reading it i mean um yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like a few days off on my period, you know, <laughs> just, uh, you know, stay home, maybe, uh, take it easy. Maybe there's, maybe there's some, some, an aspect of that. Um, but there's definitely like, uh, sort of biblical imagery around cleanness and unclean. Um, and especially when you get to the food laws, there's definitely a sense mm-hmm. of, of it sort of representing this separation between God's people, the Jewish people who've been made clean and the Gentiles around them um, who they're not to, to mingle with. Um, and yet you get this sense that even, even for the Jewish people, they just can't do normal life without getting unclean sometimes. Um, and that kind of speaks to, I think, sort of the pervasiveness of, of, of the fallen human condition. You know, it's not uh you know you know you can't you just you can't live in this world without being affected by uh you know the problem of sin even even you know even when it's not your fault um you know we still kind of come up against it in real in real ways so there's definitely a lot of a lot of imagery there um and of course you know we want to read leviticus in in the context of the whole bible um and the bible's message as a whole and i, I think you know, definitely the Christian message is, is one that frees us from shame, isn't it? And it, it frees us from, uh, the, the law that we can't keep. Um, and, um, yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful New Testament passages around, uh, around these, these, these kind of themes as well. Yeah. And from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you don't see the same emphasis on uncleanness as far as a woman and her menstrual cycle. So what's the difference there, the distinction from Old Testament, New Testament, and why is that not something that as modern Christians, we're like, she's on her period, she's unclean. Why is that not something that we care about at all today? Yeah, so more broadly, we see Jesus um, kind of fulfilling the ceremonial laws. So that's why we, you know, he fulfills all um, all foods clean. You know, the the, the temple curtain tears into uh, when Jesus dies on the cross because there's there's going to be no more sacrifices needed. 
Um, but more specifically, you get this beautiful story uh, in, in Mark 5, I think it is, where there's this woman with this condition, this bleeding condition, some kind of permanent menstrual bleeding. We don't really know exactly what. And she's the one who, who, who hears that Jesus is in town. Uh, she's been bleeding for 12 years and she kind of comes up uh, behind him thinking, if I can just touch the edge of his cloak, I'll be healed. And so she she reaches out and touches Jesus and she is healed. And that's just a, a beautiful picture of, you know, Jesus is power um, to redeem us, but also the way that then he stops and you know he he could have he could have kept walking he could have let her sort of leave quietly um but he doesn't he he wants to publicly restore her and publicly you know say to her daughter your faith has healed you go in peace and um you know that's the that's the kind of complete opposite isn't it that's the that's the full restoration um no longer unclean but um yeah, treasured and and restored to, to community. That story is so beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it just almost brings tears to my eyes, like just thinking of what that woman was suffering with, like, and how in that culture that would have just been probably so shameful, so embarrassing, so unclean. And for her to have that kind of courage, like to go to Jesus in the midst of the crowds and like to reach out, to touch him, like trusting that that would be enough, that his power could heal her. Like, and then Jesus's compassion on this woman and his care for her. Like, it's just incredible. So we see glimpses, we see little pictures of periods in the Bible. Obviously there are no direct passages giving us New Testament instruction as women on this. So when you talk about having a biblical worldview or a biblical lens as Christian women in how we view our periods, what do you mean? Because I'm sure to some people that sounds kind of funny, like a biblical worldview about my period, like what? Yeah. Yeah. So I suppose it, it, it yeah. Well, the place to start as always is, is Genesis. Um, you know, that kind of um, tells us so much about what it is to be human um and yeah this idea that our bodies are good that they've been created good by god um and that our bodies are, are fundamental to who we are um that that male and female is kind of fundamental to being human um you know he, he makes the male and female and then he tells them to um you know fill the earth uh, and there's, you know, that's, that's kind of physical sex, childbirth, child rearing, you know, fill the earth with, with more and more image bearers. Um, and so, you know, I think we can, uh, rejoice in, in kind of having that capability. I'm single. I don't have children. Um, but, you know, I can still, can still rejoice in, in, in that gift. Uh, in my church family um, and, um, you know, take joy and, and affirm that as a, as a good God-given gift. Um, uh, and yet we also see, you know, Genesis 3 tells us so much about what's gone wrong. And, and you get that very, uh, very particular, again, another really hard to hear uh, word from the Lord about um, pain in childbearing uh for eve so you've got this you know this this beautiful thing uh that women can do and yet it's you know it's it's one of the most badly broken things um and you know you know with that comes all the all the pain all the fear and also you know i think 
as a as an extension of that, I don't think it's unfair to to say you know the monthly pain of periods, um, you know the the kind of the the mess, the emotional toll of them, kind of all part and parcel of, of that. And um, yeah, but the but the you know but the biblical worldview it tells us why the world has gone wrong. Um, it, it tells us. Uh, that that the world is going to go right one day. That you know, not not only that that we're in this this mess collectively and and as individuals, um, but also that that God is is going to Jesus is going to come and raise our bodies to new life. You know, you get that whole that whole motif from start to finish, um, and uh, yeah, he's he's going to um, wipe the tears from our eyes and give us give us bodies that don't go wrong and don't have painful periods um and uh you know fulfill fulfill everything that we've we've longed for in this life um and so yeah seeing seeing our our moment now with our with the kind of joys and also the struggles in the light of that storyline um is is really helpful Wow, that is so beautiful. What a gospel picture. Just the way you were describing in your singleness, how your periods remind you of God's design for women, his gift of giving women the ability to get pregnant, have children doesn't mean every woman will or can. I have my own journey of infertility, still on it very much. My husband and I just celebrated 12 years of marriage this past week. Um, Still to this day, have not been able to have biological children. God has gifted us two amazing boys through adoption, which that's been the biggest gift and blessing of my life in so many ways, but still there's a lot of not just physical pain, but even emotional pain for me over the years of having to work through my period coming every month and longing so bad to be pregnant and it not happening month after month, year after year. And so for me, it it was hard for me to keep my focus on viewing my period in a positive light from the pain and the infertility. But the way you just described it, there's so much redemption in that because it's not just sitting in this moment of this pain or if you're single longing for marriage and your periods, that reminder of, well, I'm not even married. And so I can't even start a family, you know, biblically. Like I just, it's just reminding me every month of this longing I have that's unfulfilled, but taking it past this month, past this moment and having that long-term picture of, yes, there is brokenness. There is longings. There is unf- there are unfulfilled longings that we have, prayers that we pray every month, but ultimately our hope is in the Lord. And one day he's going to come back and make all things new. And the pain that we feel this side of heaven isn't going to last forever. So just the way mm-hmm. you described that, I I hope that anyone listening who's in a similar situation as me, infertility, longings, or even singleness like you can see a bigger, more redemptive picture. Yeah. And, and in the now as well, is that's the other, the thing I, other thing I really enjoyed exploring, um, is, you know, you, you, you get in Genesis one, this command to kind of go fill the earth and subdue it. That's, that's very physical. And in the old Testament, you know, it, the, the people of Israel, they grow through childbearing. Um, but in the new Testament, things change and, you know, Jesus says, go and make disciples. And, you know, that's a thing that, that we're all called to do. And we, we have, we bear spiritual children and grow spiritual yes. life. Um, and, you know, that's, that's, that's a thing that, that, that the spirit empowers everyone, uh, every believer to, to be part of. And so that's, that's another really, um, wonderful part of being in that, that, that new covenant, being part of the church and, uh, being part of that family, um, definitely means a lot to me. 
There's so much hope in that. And you're right. Like as Christians, that is our first calling. We are disciples of Christ first. And and within our womanhood, that's our first and foremost, like the Great Commission, you know, go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them. That is something every woman can do regardless of her age, stage, or season. And that is something that also has given me a lot of hope because before we adopted our boys and before I was experiencing the gift of just motherhood on this earth, I remember going through times where I was really struggling and with my infertility, really struggling with feeling like my womanhood would not be complete unless I was able to get pregnant, bear physical children. I just felt like there was always going to be this hole, this emptiness. And it wasn't until God really worked on my heart and helped me to see that my priorities were out of line, that I was elevating something that is good and beautiful, which is marriage and family and children, beautiful gifts that we see in scripture, but it's not the highest calling. It's not the ultimate thing that I'm called to as a Christian woman that calling is to be a disciple of Christ myself and then to go make other disciples, to to raise up spiritual children. And when my perspective changed and I saw that, it brought so much hope to me because I'm like, oh, I may not be able to bear physical children, but I can bear spiritual children in the sense of making disciples for the next generation. So it sounds like for you, that's brought a lot of hope as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Okay. So something that I think is, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I want to unpack it a little bit more. I know you do in your book is this idea of shame and embarrassment around our periods. Um, why do you think there is so much shame and embarrassment? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, that beautiful, um, you know, the verse in, in Genesis where it says Adam and Eve, they're in the garden and they naked and they feel no shame. And, um, you know, that shows us that, that all the shame we feel is kind of a consequence of living in a fallen world and living in this world that's um, uh, under the, the consequences of sin. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think it's good to acknowledge that that shame is real. I remember like speaking to a friend about about periods and she you know, she'd been on the pill, so she hadn't had a period for a long time. And so she was sort of remembering back what it was like. And, um, it, you know, she was just talking about the, the, the shame and the embarrassment of kind of oh, leaking onto a chair or just, you know, like, you know, oh, like sitting exams. And um, it was only, you know, like, you know, way into the conversation that she remembered that the periods were physically painful um you know that had kind of like left her memory um but it was the it was the shame that had stayed with her it was the shame that was kind of most powerful for her and um and I think that's that's yeah I think that's that's really true it's 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 powerful emotion um Mm -hmm. and yet you know again that 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 Jesus, Jesus with that woman, um, you know, and the, the way he could have, he could have not drawn attention to her. You know, that's, that's, that's the interesting thing. You know, you, you might think, oh, you know, what the good thing to do for that woman would have just been, you know, let her, let her go quietly. Um, and yet he, he doesn't do that. He chooses to, to stop and publicly restore and commend her. Um, because Jesus came to free us from shame, you know, he came to, um, free us from the, free us from the shame that, that we kind of 
rightly uh, ought to feel for our sin, but also free us from all the shame um, that 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 isn't you know isn't due to us. Um, you know, there's there's such a there's such a mixture of of all both those things in us, aren't there? Um, so yeah, again, just a just a really beautiful picture of of Jesus's compassionate um response to our shame and his and his promise to to restore us yeah you mentioned earlier periods the period pain was maybe i don't know increased after the fall of genesis 3 where we see that specific consequence for eve to have more pain in childbearing and it sounded like you were saying maybe that also our period pain was also increased at that time but before you answer that my other part of this question is we had periods before the fall correct well, I don't know. I don't know. That's a really interesting question. Um, yeah. And it kind of, it gets to one of the tensions that I was encountering through, kind of through scripture is that, you know, are periods this positive thing or this negative thing? Right. Um, and uh, yeah, there's there's different ways. There's kind of different ways of reading it. Um, you know, yeah like you know one way of thinking about it is that you know your period means that you're you're not pregnant and so you know maybe maybe before the fall Eve was just like permanently fertile maybe you know she would have just immediately conceived maybe I don't know we don't know really Mm. um but you also get some yeah that kind of you get yeah you get some interesting hints through um throughout the old testament that there's something significant about blood um particularly you know the life of a creature is in the blood um and so there's something there's something yeah significant or symbolic about this 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 shedding of blood um so yeah it's definitely yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't know i wouldn't be able to say for sure either way mm-hmm. um but definitely i think the sort of yeah we can we can say that the the if she did have periods before the fall they wouldn't have been painful um you know they would have been perfect they would have been yeah whatever that means i don't know yeah it's hard to it's it's kind of hard to imagine you've got me thinking now i'm so curious i'm like you know how you always say when i get to heaven i'm gonna ask god this question you're like it's always the most random things i'm like yeah i'll add this one to the list like hey eve so you know before the snake (laughs) came and said hey (laughs) did you have periods (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's such an interesting thing to think of. Okay, before the fall, obviously they hadn't had kids yet, but they were married and they were already given this command to be fruitful and multiply. They were already having sex. Like, uh, it, to me, it makes sense that she would have already like her reproductive, like everything would have been working and functioning as normal. But then maybe after the fall, the pain was increased. The period pain. I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah. The Bible doesn't tell us directly, but it is, I don't know. It's a rabbit hole, rabbit trail for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's just interesting to think about. So as we kind of wrap this up, um, as Christian women, when our periods hit, every month. And I know not every woman has a period every month. I know there's even struggles and just PCOS and endometriosis, different things that cause our periods to not happen or be irregular, um, various health conditions. But if a woman is experiencing a period on a regular basis and maybe feels very negative about it, maybe only views it as a negative thing, how can we reframe our mindset as Christian women on a month to month basis and have a more bigger picture, like Christ-centered gospel picture when it comes to that month to month period. Mm. I think we can, 
rejoice in what it is to be creatures. Uh, I think we can rejoice in what it is to have a body, even even obviously in those times. We wish we didn't have this particular body. Um, but also I think, you know, it teaches us dependence and uh, like they're often occasions when we sort of learn our own weakness you know like even even just a few weeks ago I've had a week's vacation I came back to work I was in the office I came on my period and like honestly I was I was vile that day I was so grumpy uh you know I wanted to be back on vacation and I didn't want to be on my period (laughs) and my poor boss like he you know he didn't know but I was uh, you know it was just um yeah it it kind of it has that ability sometimes of kind of dialing up um our temptation or dialing up those kind of struggles in in a way that um you know helps us to see them for what they are you know and it helps us to you know it kind of yeah it turns up the volume sometimes on our sin in a way that 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 shows what it is really underneath the hood all along uh all month round and um i think that's that's an opportunity to to grow in dependence on the lord to you know take hold of the spiritual resources that he promises to give us um to um you know and to kind of commit uh afresh in our kind of in our in our battle and our walk with him um yeah um but also you know it's a chance to hear god's hear god's words of comfort to us and um and hear those words of hope um and you know sometimes we uh wish we didn't need yet another uh opportunity to to hear god's comfort but you know uh god choose that's how god chooses to work um Mm. It does feel like our, at least for me, my periods always come at the worst time. So you're right though. There is a sense of sanctification happening through the trials of our periods, um, that reminder of God's greater um, design for women and leaning into that, leaning into his comfort. For me, something that he is continually growing me in is not viewing my period as an excuse to become a rage monster, right? With my family, my, oh, you know, oh, my hormones, like just excusing it. And I know many women, many friends I've talked to, they're like, oh, like I, God is really working on my heart in the same way. Cause I think there is this kind of mindset in culture that when a woman's on her period, it's like, do not mess with her. You know, whatever she says goes. And she can almost like be excused to just pretty much become an angry monster and everyone just back away, you know, back away and let her do her thing. But as Christian women, even when we're on our periods, we are still called to live out the fruits of the spirit by God's grace, to respond gently and patiently with those in our lives, to do everything without complaining and grumbling in our hearts. Like it's a squeeze because our hormones feel wacky. For many of us, there's pain. We just feel exhausted. And so I think you're right. Like there is work that God wants to do to say, even in this moment, even in this monthly trial, if you will, I am still God and I am still working and you are still my follower. You are still my child. And there's still, um, there's still a way for you to follow me, to be obedient to me, to exemplify Christ to those around you, even while you're on your period. And I think most of us would raise a hand and say, I need God's help desperately for those four, five, six, seven days. Like I need his help immensely because it's not easy, but by his grace, I know we can still 
walk in the fruits of the spirit, even at that time of the month. Okay. I have to ask you this question before I let you go. Like we talked about in the beginning, culturally, the world is now for the most part saying that anyone can have a period. It's not just women. It's anyone. It's just bleeding people. So as Christians, you know, how would you encourage us to think about that, to respond to that, to continue to hold fast to a biblical worldview about manhood and womanhood? Yeah, I think I had just finished the manuscript maybe when the the J.K. Rowling tweets, uh, you know, those kind of infamous tweets hit. Um, yeah, so, so the world would say, you know, our, our gender isn't necessarily tied to our sexed body. You know, it's something inside of us. It's something that we, we feel that we are and it's, it's what we identify as. Um, so that if you've got someone who was assigned female at birth, um, and they now identify as a man, then they may well still be having periods. And so therefore the logic is that you know, you can't, it's not the case that only women have periods, um, because in that case, you'd have a man having a period. Um, and I think, you know, what's really clear in the Bible is that the Bible locates gender and sex together. You know, in that in that verse in Genesis one, he creates the male and female and then he tells them be fruitful and increase in number. So, you know, to to be female is to is to be to have a female body is to be a woman to be a woman is to have a female body um and there's definitely more to being a man or a woman than that uh than kind of pure biology there is there is something more um but i think that's i think that's the base um in a way that our, our culture has kind of become unmoored from um and, you know, the, the Bible doesn't actually say a ton about all those other things that, that make a woman a woman. Um, and when it and when it does, it's kind of broadly descriptive as opposed to, you know, laying down kind of prescriptive, hard and fast rules, um, which is actually really, really freeing. You know, you can um, who we are uh, is given to us. Um, you know, we, we believe fundamentally that there is uh, a God, a creator who um, as creator has authority, um, and who, who, who gives us our bodies, um, and, you know, gives us our gender. Um, and, and actually that, that can be, you know, if we're, if we're prepared to accept that, then that can be, that can be freeing, you know, that can dial down the stereotypes that can dial down the sort of need for sort of performative, femininity or you know and what the media or culture kind of demands of us what a what a woman should look like what a woman should like doing um you know we can we can accept it as a as a gift from god and that's not to minimize the experience of gender dysphoria or to or to deny that that's real for some people um but you know that is to say that um when we when we when we live as creatures uh, in a world of of givens from God, from a good Father, then actually that then that's you know that's a freeing way to view ourselves and to view the world around us. Amen. And that we can look to Him to know who we are. We don't have mm-hmm. to go on a journey to figure that out or feel like it's impossible to ever know. We can look to our Creator, and He He tells us in His design. And our bodies are significant. They matter. They speak to who we are as well. So. So good. Rachel, thank you so much for having this conversation with us. This was, like I said, one of the most unique angles I've ever taken in talking about periods and the Bible, but I just feel so encouraged by it. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, it's been fun.
And if anyone listening is like, okay, I want more. That was too, like, I need to dig into that. Then I encourage you to grab a copy of Rachel's book, A Brief Theology of Periods. And then if you want to dig more into God's design for womanhood, specifically just understanding how to live that out, grab a copy of our book, Girl Defined, God's Radical Design for Beauty, Femininity, and Identity. Um, Those two books alone, I think periods and womanhood, I think you'll be set. You've got your reading list for the summer. And I think you your mind will be blown in so many ways. And you'll just see the beauty of God's design and the gospel and that greater picture um, will just become so much more clear, which empowers us in the biblical sense of the word to live out his design for us as women, to make disciples and to be free from so much of the bondage um, that we can get trapped in when we do buy into lies, when we get confused. So again, Rachel, thank you so much. Where can people find you? Are you on Instagram? Is there a website? Uh, I'm not on Instagram. I'm afraid I'm holding out. I'm holding out. (laughs) I do not blame you. In fact, that that can be a wise choice. (laughs) I'm ahead of the curve on leaving Instagram by by having never joined in the first place. Yeah. (laughs) Is your book book available wherever books are sold or is there wherever books are sold? Okay. Amazon, uh, or the goodbook.com. Um, yeah. And, and, and many other places. Okay. Awesome. Rachel, thanks again. Wow. What an interesting conversation about periods. Oh my goodness. I never knew there was so much that we could talk about. And I think we really just scratched the surface. I mean, she has an entire book on this. Like there's obviously so much more to be said about it, but what I took away from our conversation, what I found the most encouraging is just the fact that God is our creator, that he's our good father, that he designed us as women to have periods and they're not insignificant. They matter. And he cares about that. And he's he walks with us through the pain of our periods, the trials of our periods, or lack of period, and the pain associated with that, just from an emotional sense. Um, he cares about this area of our lives as women, and I want to lean into that more. I will be honest with you, I don't often turn to the Lord as my first source of comfort or my first source of strength when I'm having a hard time on my period. And I think this conversation is reframing some things for me and just reminding me that I need to invite the Lord into this part of my life. I need to pray in those moments of struggle to reach out to him more, to ask for his help, to ask for his grace, even in the pain of infertility to say, you know, God, this is so hard. My period started again. It's that constant monthly reminder that I'm not pregnant, that this is an ongoing struggle for me. And Lord, would you draw near to me? Would you help me? Like just inviting God into it more. So anyways, those were some of the things I took away. I would love to hear what you took away from this conversation, how this changed your perspective as a Christian woman and how you view your periods. Come over to Instagram at Girl Defined. Come hang out with me. Let's continue this conversation. I really, really want to hear your thoughts on it. And if you appreciate conversations like this and you've never left us a review, girl, come on. Take 30 seconds right now. It would mean the world to us. Just drop a review on Spotify, on Apple. Let us know what you think about the podcast, what other guests you want to have on, or what other topics you want us to cover. We really Take your feedback seriously and your encouragement really does encourage us. So if you have like 30 seconds right now, just head on over Spotify, Apple, drop us a review and then come hang out with me over on an Instagram um, at Girl Defined and then come back next Monday and join us for another episode of the Girl Defined show.